0: Good morning, let's all stand. Together we're going to lift up our voices as we sing Faith is the victory and there is a Redeemer. In camp along the hills of mighty Christian soldiers rise And press the battle ere the night shall veil the glowing skies Against the foe and veils below Let all our strength
1: house this morning I know that it was your choice you got up this morning you looked out and you said you know what rain is not going to keep me out of God's house and I appreciate that and I know the Lord does too so let's go to him in prayer thank him for this day he's given us father in heaven we come before you and Lord we thank you for this day you've given us we thank you for the way you watch over us provide for us and protect us And I pray that even today as it rains and I know that there are folks on different parts of our state that are very, very concerned about continued flooding. I pray that you'd watch over them. I pray that you would help their community to minister to them. And most of all, we look to you, rest in you and trust in you. Thank you for this worship time that we have and help us to focus in on you. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Please be seated.
0: we sing, Lord, I lift your name on high, and then he will hold me fast.
2: Lord, I lift your name on
1: Take your Bibles with me, if you would please, and turn to First, Second uh, Timothy, Second Timothy, Chapter One. I'm going to read to you verses seven down through ten this morning. Title of our message is "Serving Christ According to His Purpose." Serving Christ according to His purpose. And when I read down in the text, if you'll notice, in verse nine, it actually references us serving Him according to his purpose and grace. And we're going to look at that within our context this morning to really contemplate and to consider our service for him. Uh, the text largely has to do with uh, the uh, Timothy who was mentored, who was really brought up into the ministry by the Apostle Paul. Um, and it really has a heavy ministry-leaning but a very practical application to all of us as Christians. That's how God's word works. It's a a living book. It fits our life where God's Holy Spirit stirs us. And so this morning, my goal is to bring this word to us so that we can look at it and consider our area of service. Are we doing it according to our own works? Are we truly striving to serve Christ according to his purpose? So listen as I read to you 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 7 down through 10. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God, who hath saved us and called us with a holy calling. Not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began, but is now manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Let's ask God's blessing on his word. Lord I pray that you be with us as we look into these verses. Help us to have clarity of mind, full understanding of your truths. And Lord, help each of us to see how it applies in our lives. We thank you in Christ's name we pray. Amen. I read to you 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 7, and when I read that verse, it should have been that immediately Victory Baptist Church family remembered that, that was our theme verse through the pandemic. And that was to just remember that whatever happened, whatever came, we were not to be people of fear, but we were to be people of power, of love, and of a sound mind, no matter what transpired during that time. And certainly for all of us, it was a difficult time, was certainly not something I ever wanna repeat again, uh, it's something I want to see begin to fade farther and farther into the rearview mirror. Amen? Amen? And as we look at this text, though, as we leave that part of our lives, we face all that God has for us in the future. And while that may have been a difficult and in many ways a trying time, as we look ahead, there will be other difficult and trying times, won't there? Life is full of challenges, it's full of of those times when we have to step up and say, you know what, this is going to take more of me and all of God to get us through this, and that's why we tap back into verses like this, and we remember that God has called us not to be a people who have fear driving and dominating their lives. Now this text is really talking about serving God. He's challenging young Timothy. He's challenging him to get out there and to do the work of the ministry and to reach out to people and to spread the gospel. And you and I, we are also called to the same ministry. Not full-time vocation, although I'd love to see young young people and older people in our congregation say, I think God is calling me into the ministry. We need desperately to have people step in, surrender to full-time Christian service, and just dig in and live their lives for Christ in that capacity. But not everybody is called to that. But we are all called to serve Christ. Not according to our purpose, as we're going to see in a little bit, but according to His purpose. And as we face that service, in whatever capacity that is, whether you're a prayer warrior, a Sunday school teacher, a deacon, doesn't matter what you do, whether you volunteer to come and clean at the church, Or keep the nursery, which by the way, they keep highlighting on my announcements. Keep plugging that nursery. We need more nursery workers. Um, Whatever we do for service, we need to do it without fear. We trust God to enable us, to help us, to give us that power that we need. And that's why he says, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power. And we know that when you go all the way into the very beginning of the church age, Acts chapter one, verse eight, he talks to you and I about that you shall be given power. And after that, the Holy Ghost. God gives to us the power of his presence in our lives. So whatever capacity you have of service, whether it's to nurture your grandchildren or your children in the Lord, or whether it be for you to go ahead and, and be in full time, Ministry; it should be done without fear, but rather empowered by God. And then, as as we saw in that verse seven, if you want to go back one more, Mike, you'll see that not only it's of power, but of love, and that's important. If we're going to serve Christ in the world we live in, people need to see the love of God in us. It's so important. That people don't think that you and I, because we're Christians, we have Christ in our hearts and our lives, that we are people of anger and bitterness? Just the opposite. We are people of hope and salvation. We are people who have the answers for folks who are so confused in this world today that they can see that there's a God who loves them and will walk with them through the most difficult times that they might find their way in this world and into eternal life. And we have to convey that message with the spirit and love of God all the time. And then he tells us, he says, not only do we not have that spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of what? A A sound mind. We really do live in a world today that sometimes I wonder, have people lost their mind? What's going on? Have we slipped a cog or two? You know, But God calls us to have a sound mind. It should be that we can step back as Christians and question what's happening around the world and say to ourselves, that just doesn't even make sense. We should have a sound mind. And when people question that and deny that, ridicule that and deride that, we should be of sound mind enough to step back and say, listen, if the whole world jump off the bridge, I shouldn't. Remember our parents saying that stuff to you? Right. You know, if, if, if all your friends do this and this and this, are you going to? Well, no, I wouldn't do that. that, that, that that's not good. Well, if the whole world goes crazy, we should still be of sound mind even if the world says we're crazy for having a sound mind. Why? Because God says we don't have the spirit of fear. You should not fear the intimidation, the ridicule, the deriding of a world who's lost its mind. But instead, we should embrace the power of God. We should manifest the love of God. But we should remember what sound mind, logical, intellectual, God-given brain thought is. And we should ask God to help us to always maintain that. So no matter where or what we do for service, it should not be according to our purpose, but according to the purpose of God, as he removes us from the fears that can haunt us and hinder us. And instead, he launches us with power with love and a sound mind. As we come down to verse eight in our text, I want you to see that not only should we serve God without fear, but we should serve him with a holy heritage. There's value to heritage, isn't there? There's value to stepping back and looking and saying, hey, this is where I came from, and this has value to me in my life. I I see the Vanderway brothers sitting out here. And I I knew their dad and and their mom is still alive. Well, you know what, they have a great heritage of a dad who was an excellent farmer. I I look back here and when I glanced across, I saw Nancy Colby sitting right here. And I remember Nancy and Walt Kewen, they used to talk about their heritage from Germany. They had a long heritage going back. Not the Nazi Germany heritage, but the good, strong German stock that they would tap into as their heritage. And each of us in our lives, you know, we look back and maybe we think about this grandfather or that grandmother, or maybe we think of somebody we knew in the family and we think to ourselves, you know what, that's great heritage for me in my life. Well, here he talks to us. As we come down to verse 8. About serving him in the midst of great heritage. Listen to verse 8. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. Nor of me his prisoner. But be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. He wants you and I to step back. And to not be ashamed of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now the world in any way, in any capacity, they would like us to step back and shirk away and to be ashamed of being a Christian. It would be absolutely victorious for Satan to get you and I to be ashamed of being a Christian. Because if we'll just go ahead and pull the covers up and hide ourselves away and be quiet and not be a presence, then he has won a victory, hasn't he? I was just reading this week uh, in the Addison Independent about another church in, in Addison County that is getting ready to close off its religious services. And I'll guarantee you, in that demonic world of Satan, he's saying, hurrah! He's saying, one more victory for me. One more notch on my belt, on my gun. You and I, we have to stand strong. I was reading the article and it was talking about the statistics of the declining spirituality of people worshiping in the state of Vermont. If the whole world were to jump off the bridge, would you? If the whole world were to be ashamed of Christ, would you be ashamed
2: of Christ?
1: And the apostle is writing to Timothy and he's saying to him, he's saying, listen, we serve with a great heritage. And the heritage begins with the Lord Jesus Christ who came. He left heaven above, took upon himself the form of a man. He was willing to be born of a virgin and a humble beginning and to have a ministry where he himself did not even have a a place to lay his head. He had that humble ministry all the way to the cross, which was the most humiliating and degrading way to be executed. He was willing to do that for you and for me. And Paul tells Timothy, do not be ashamed. Because when Romans walked up to them and said, oh, you're a Christian? You're of that way? Don't you know he, he died the, the death of a thief? Don't you know you, he died the death of the lowest of the low? It was against the law to crucify a Roman citizen because it was so degrading. But Christ was not a Roman citizen. And so Satan wanted to degrade as much as he could. Humiliation of the cross. And as Christ was in the Garden of Gethsemane and he cried out to the Father, he said, if this cup could but just pass from me. But he said, no, not my well, Lord, but thine. And Paul says to Timothy, do not be ashamed. Do not be ashamed to be a Christian. Doesn't matter if the Romans mock you and persecute you. Doesn't matter whether the Hebrew leadership hunts you down, arrests you, and kills you. He says, do not be ashamed. You've put in your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, who willingly paid for your sins on the cross. You have an amazing heritage of ministry and strength and power in God. Do not be ashamed. But he doesn't leave it at Jesus. Look with me again at verse eight. He comes down, he says, Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner. So the Apostle Paul says to Timothy, Now listen, I don't want you to be ashamed of me either, because I am fighting the good fight. I will finish my course. He says, I'm going to go ahead and run my race. And in it, he is arrested. He is put in prison. He says, don't be ashamed of me, a prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ. You and I, as we come to church and we open up our New Testament and we read out of the books of the gospels and the epistles. As we read out of these books, we're reading the writings under the inspiration of God of men and women who had gone ahead and served Christ with all their hearts With all their souls, with all their passion, with all their strength. But they didn't live lives that were glamorous. These were not the superheroes of their day in the world's eyes. Nobody was going ahead and and coming and, and lifting them up and having Emmy Award nights for these guys. These were folks who were hunted. Persecuted. Executed. And Paul says, don't be ashamed of us. We are going to work the work of Christ even unto death itself. Timothy, don't be ashamed that I'm a prisoner for Christ. Don't be ashamed that that John the Beloved is exiled to the island of Patmos where he'll die. Don't be ashamed That Peter will be martyred and refused to be crucified normally, but asked to be crucified upside down because he didn't want to be crucified like Christ. Don't be ashamed that you know of people who are being arrested and hauled back to Jerusalem, standing before the Sanhedrin, being arrested and executed. Don't be ashamed that the Roman Empire is going to go ahead and come and arrest and gather Christians, put them in the Colosseums, and have them eaten and torn asunder by wild beasts. Don't be ashamed, he says, of the fact that in the early days of Christianity, the Roman Catholic Church would go ahead and gather people like you and I who didn't embrace Catholicism. And they would go ahead and have them executed by burning, by by filleting, by ripping in half. All kinds of unbelievable, cruel things done to believers. He says, don't be ashamed of those people. They are a great heritage of people who are willing to serve and minister for Christ. To their neighbors, to their friends, to their co-workers, to their community." In fact, he becomes very pointed to Timothy. In this third part of verse 8, listen to what he says. He says, Be not thou ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. He says, Timothy, it's time to stand up, but... It's time for you to go ahead and not shirk away, not shy away. But it's time for you to stand up. For you to embrace the same service by the power of God. And you and I as Christians, every generation, doesn't matter whether you're in the year 2023, 2023, or the year 1923, or 1823, or 1723, 1623, all the way back to the year 23. Every one of us is called to serve our generation. And that's what he's saying to him. He's saying, yes, we have an amazing heritage of service. Our Lord Jesus Christ, the apostles themselves, the heritage of the years of sacrifice and service, but it's time for it to land right here, right with you, right with me. Friday, we did an ordination over at Websterville Baptist Church. They're without a pastor and so they had asked if I would come and, and to go ahead and do that. And as I was finishing up, one of the young men came up to me and he pointed at the pulpit up on the platform He says, see that pulpit? That's a really, really old pulpit. And I looked at it, and it was a very old pulpit. And he said, you know, the pastor who used to pastor here, several pastors ago, pastored for over 50 years. I said, wow, he must have been very old. (laughs) Over 50 years is a long time in the pulpit. He said, yeah, but after he retired from the church, He still Phil preached until he was 91 years old. I thought, wow, that's a heritage. 91 years old. You're never too old to serve the Lord. You might say, oh, pastor, I've got some aches and pains. I know you do. Every one of us will as we get older. There's no way to avoid it. But you can't stop living because of it. And you still have to serve. Oh, Pastor, you don't understand. I'm so busy. Man, you just don't understand. Oh, listen, I understand busy. But you still got to serve. You got to serve the Lord. Serve the Lord in your family, your community, your church. Make a difference for your generation. It's not going to be enough for you to hope somebody else does it. I've known through the years folks who have uh, written great long documents for their children to read and their grandchildren to read. And every once in a while that will come up when I'm doing a, a funeral. And I'll ask the kids, the grandkids, have you read it? Oh, no, no, oh, no, it's too big. haven't haven't had the time to sit down and read it. And if you ask them in 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, they'll say something like, well, I've scanned it, I've looked at it. Listen, your impact is not in leaving a note, a letter, a book, a document. Your impact is by ministering face to face, mouth to mouth. Just looking at your kids, your coworkers, your grandkids, your friends, your neighbors, and sharing with them the ministry of the love of God. That's what he's talking to Timothy about. As he comes down in verse, the last part of verse eight and the first part of verse nine, we see that he talks to them about serving God by God's grace. God's grace. We love the acronym of grace, God's riches at Christ's expense. Simply meaning God's empowering or God's enabling in whatever capacity. And when we look at the very last part of verse 8, listen to what it says. but be thou partaker of the affliction of the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began, wow, before the world began, I want to say wow again, because before the world began, uh, Hillary and William, I see Hillary right there, Uh, Hillary this morning sent me a little text, they live in the church's staff house here in Virgen's and the river goes behind the house, and she sent me a picture. If I could, I'd show you the picture. And it shows the river, Otter Creek, all the way out of its banks, all the way across the field behind their house, and at the base of the hill. And so I was talking to William, and he said, yeah, I was talking to the neighbor. And the neighbor said, back many, many, many years ago, it would even flow all the way up Father." But he said, we went ahead and his, his grandparents or his parents, somebody, they had built that whole thing up out there. And he said, never have I seen the water come up past the buildup where the house is. He says, you're good. You're good. And I, I'm ha- that makes me feel better. I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy that's true. But let's think back before that because that's maybe only 50 years ago. How many of you are older than 50 in here? How fast did 50 go? Bam! Now I know all of you that are in your 20s, you're thinking, are you kidding me? That is old. Before you know it, it's gone. 50, 100, 200, 1500. 5,000. You can go in this world and you can go to places where you can see ruins that are 2,000 years old. And he says to you and I right here, he says, before the world began, God's purpose and grace was in place before you were a twinkle in your parents' eye, or their
2: parents,
1: or their parents' parents, or parents' parents, as far back as time itself goes in the consciousness of humankind, before God spoke the words of creating all that we see and know, He had His purpose and grace. And here Paul is challenging you and I. He's saying, serve God by his purpose and grace. Now we do that by tapping into that power of God. That's what he said at the last part of verse 8. And then he reminds us, he says, listen, it's God who saved us, who called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, so he says, if you think to yourself, "Well, I can't really do any service for the Lord. I'm just not able." Well, no, you're probably not. You're not able to save yourself either. But Jesus is. His grace is able. So you might look at your coworkers, your neighbors, your family, your friends, and you might say, well, "I don't know how to. I don't know how to minister to these people." Oh, but God does. He had a purpose and a grace in place before the world even began. I was talking to one of the guys in our church. He changed jobs recently. And he's working with all these young guys. He's an older guy and he's working with all these young guys. And these young guys got loads of family problems, all kinds of issues, you name it. And there's a reason why the Bible tells us to lay aside the lusts of the youth and to man up and to grow up. Because sometimes when we were young, we were just crazy. Crazy with all kinds of stuff. Whether it be endangering our lives, going 120 miles an hour. Or whether it be taking substances that risk our mind, soul, and body. Or whatever the case is. And so as he works with these young guys and they're talking about all their problems, he told me, he says, boy, God keeps telling me, I've got a a witness to these folks. And he's been witnessing to these guys. And you know, everybody's afraid that on the job, some guy's gonna pull out a hammer and hit him in the head because he mentioned Jesus. Hasn't happened yet. (laughs) But he's just stepping up and he's saying, you know what? I'm not a preacher, I'm not an orator, I'm not a theologian, I'm not a a Bible scholar. But God's told me, these guys are a mess. And by God's grace, and by God's purpose, a little seed gets planted. A little seed gets planted. That's what God has called us to do. He's called us. To serve by His grace and His purpose. A purpose that is long before you and I could ever be. His purpose. Since the founding and before of all that we see and know. When we come down to verse 10. We see that He wants us to serve in the light of the gospel. Listen to what He says in verse 10. But is now made manifest. Jesus Christ is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. The other day, some friends of mine, we went fishing off the coast of Massachusetts and so we drove back and as I was driving back, it was after, it was Tuesday night, all that flooding, all that rain, and I'm driving back, and as I've gotten older, headlights are sharper and brighter, and I was coming down through the back roads, coming home, and I was just thinking, wow, this is really bright, as this car was coming towards me. And as he passed, I turned my, my brights on, because I had my lows on and bam, it lit up the road. And I was so grateful for my bright lights to light the way. because so dark, so rainy, but it lit the way for me to go those back roads and come home. And in each of our lives, God says he has brought forth the bright light of the gospel. Look again with me, and I want you to hear that He said that that his purpose, his his grace has now been manifested by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ in verse 10. Who has abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. So God has turned on the floodlights. He's turned on the headlights. And he says, I want the world to see immortal life, eternal life, salvation for all through Jesus Christ. But you and I have to be the lamp bearers. God has turned on the light, but he calls every generation, you and me, to step up To take the lamp, to turn on the switch, to climb up to the top of the lighthouse and to shine the mirrors and to turn on the light. That that light might go forth as a beam. He says the time has come. Jesus Christ has come. The light is on. That the world might see life. And immortality. Because in Christ, you and I, we have eternal life. Born again as children of God. Born into the family of God. Our eternity secured by the Son of God. But we have to serve. We've got to serve according to His purpose and according to His grace. There's so much for us to do in our generation. And time is passing. Each of us. Someday, somebody's going to talk about you like that young guy was talking about that preacher who preached 55 years in that pulpit and then preached for 91 years, but he's not preaching anymore. His time had come. He served well. But it's gone. And so also with us. God says life is but a vapor. It appears for a time, and it's gone. We have to, in our generation, we have to step up, and we have to serve God, not according to our purpose. No, there's a higher purpose. A purpose that is as old as before time began. The purpose and grace of God. So I challenge you this morning, on this rainy, dreary day, God has a purpose for you. I don't care how young you are or how old you are. I don't care how eloquent you are or not eloquent. God has a purpose for you. It's in his purpose and grace that you would serve him in some capacity in your life. Seek, pray, ask him, and he'll show you the way. Lord in heaven, I pray that you be with us as we're dismissed this morning. Please watch over us. Help us to be wise stewards of our time, our passions, our energy, our finances, that we might serve you, Lord, not according to our will, but according to your desire. I just pray that you would watch over those who are sick this morning. Pray that you'd watch over those who are traveling from our church family and could not be here today. Bring them back soon.